The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 239. That's for, uh, well, the week of September 12th. Alex, uh, fall has come. We Finally, it's cooled down. I think for at least a couple days, um, it, this may be false fall, but um, it, it's much better than being, you know, high 90s for the last week that it had yeah. been. So false fall, which will be followed by second summer. Right. Yeah, yeah. Looking yeah. forward to and, that. And then it will be first snow, and then it will be false fall too. <laughs> and then eventually it'll be winter. Yeah, and then it'll be cold. We'll be like, man, I can't wait for that that heat yeah. again. Right, exactly. Although I'm getting less and less interested in the heat every year. When it's getting hotter. And, no, I, I don't think it's getting hotter. I think you're wrong. Okay. Uh, it's the exactly the same temperature as it has been for years. And it's, uh, uh, but I sweat too much. How about that? Oh, there so you yeah, go. I sweat too much. Yeah, exactly. Hey, speaking of uh, sweating too much, we have a Slack channel where people uh, say awkward things that make me sweat. Oh, good to know. Good, uh, good segue, right? Yeah. Seamless. <laughs> if if you want to uh, listen to awkward things, you should join the Slack channel as well. Go to the website, colorado-security.com, and you can find a link to sign up there. We also have a mailing list where you can, uh, again, sign up on the website. We'll send you the show notes in your email, so you'll pro- get approximately one email a month from us. Um, we also would love it if you would rate us uh, on your favorite podcast application and subscribe to the show so it shows up there automatically. If you're thinking, but that's just not enough. I want to help more. I want to not only know about things, I want to help. The number one thing we'd love it if you do would be tell a friend about the podcast. Let's let's get some more folks involved in the community. Get them invited to the Slack channel. Let's let's really connect all of Colorado. And if you're like, okay, but I just want to give you money, guys. Well, you can do that too. We have a Patreon campaign we use to to uh, uh, pay for the particulars for the show, and and we did have a little bit of a surplus through COVID, so we used that money to uh, to do a picnic last month. We did. Um, it was a lot of fun, Rob. This is the first hopefully annual Colorado equals security picnic. Uh, we, we didn't take attendance, but I think we probably had around a hundred people show up yeah. for the picnic. And not all at once. You know, you'd have, yeah. you had about 20 people near the beginning and then they started rolling. We probably had 60, 70 and they threw the day turned over, but yeah, about a hundred people probably came out. We had Chipotle and big thanks to Dave Farrow for handling the food for us. We had a number of great volunteers though with, with Joe and Chris and who else am I forgetting off the top of my head? Uh, uh, who did the games for us? Uh, uh, Dave Cundiff. Dave, Dave, of course. Yeah. yeah. Great volunteers. And, and if I miss any names, thanks. Thanks to, to all who helped, but, uh, really was, a, it was a really good turnout laid back. Um, glad we got to hang out and see yeah. some friends, friends and family. Got to see some people I hadn't seen in a while. Got to meet some new people. And I, I think all in all, we had a good time. Uh, with that, we, let's do a little bit of a, a look forward. We have a couple big conferences coming up here. Of course, the biggest Colorado security conference rolls around just in two weeks. Um, the Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference is happening, is it the 21st? 1st through the 23rd. 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Yep. Uh, 21st, we have the Community Day where it's free to anyone to come. Uh, go sign up online so you can come see the, the all-day training sessions. Go see our, our keynote kickoff speaker. We have a little is a party with some games as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We've got some uh, arcade games, ping pong, giant Jenga, all those sorts of things for you to come and hang out and uh, have a little food and maybe a drink or two and, um, you know, hang out with people and see our sponsors, all that kind of stuff. And Thursday and Friday is their more traditional conference where we have track sessions, some keynote speakers, all that good stuff. Lots of great networking, uh, lots of good fun. 
yeah, so love everyone to uh, to come to that. Also, um, a few weeks after is the uh, CSA is doing their fall summit on the 18th of October. Um, I think if uh, I think that there still is plenty of time to sign up for that. Um, I don't know that they're accepting speakers anymore. I think they've got the lineup set. Um, but uh, but CSA is a great organization organization in town. If you have an interest in cloud security, which I think everybody does these days, you should go check that one out. Yeah, too. it looks like a great group. And if, you know, if Tyler's been doing a lot of work getting ready for it, go sign up so they can have a successful event. That said, let's jump into the news. We have a couple of updates on old stories, including a favorite of ours with Casa Bonita. Uh, Casa Bonita is not open yet. It was yes. supposed to be open this summer. Um, what in the world's going on, Alex? Yeah, I, I think that, um, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who went to Casa Bonita before it closed, that um, it's turned into a money pit. <laughs> um, uh, apparently, the, the previous owners had put um, exactly $0 into maintenance for Casa Bonita. <laughs> and uh, now that the, the new owners um, are looking at it, they've realized that they're going to have to put a couple bucks into it. Um, I think they bought it for around $3 million. And according to uh, filings with uh, City of Lakewood, they're going to have to put it in about $12 million for renovation. Yeah, that's a lot more than what I probably would have expected. Uh, I thought you could do it for, you know, I don't know. $500,000. What do I know about these things? Right? Right. Nothing is the answer. So, but apparently the, the smell coming from the tunnel was actually asbestos. That's what, that's well, what no. very well could I'm be. I'm just kidding. That's not what the spell was, but there is asbestos that they, uh, that they're having to clean out of some of the tiles that were in there. Um, they, a lot of the renovations are, are meant to just like refresh the stuff that we love about Casa Bonita. They're trying to preserve the look and feel throughout, you know, with the cliffs, with, with the, the, plaza with with most of the stuff it really should be the same however they're trying to do a lot of upgrades to their their av equipment they're trying to get more accessible so there's accessible seating and going to be like an accessible lift to get to get folks to those seats <clears throat> and they're actually putting a new fountain out front which i'm excited to see. they are i think that they demolished the current fountain they're going to build a new one from scratch uh, that said, if you're if what we've told you is not quite enough, click the link in the show notes. Um, th- there are a lot of pictures. I think there was like 23 pictures that you could see of the current state of Casa Bonita. It's not good. Yeah. Actually, this is not current state. This is this is from yeah. December. So these are before any construction started. Which right. so I assume at this point it looks better than that. But you can go see some pictures of it being um, of it being gutted. And I'm uh, unfortunately I'm sad to say uh, there is no ETA on opening. It's just like. You know, the Trey and Matt are like, hey, whenever it's done, it's done, guys. Right. We're, we're pouring as much money as we have into this thing, and eventually it'll open. Um, following on to this story, this, that one's a few weeks old. Um, after the, the came out and they got the, the pictures and, and those sorts of things from the Freedom of Information request, they actually, uh, the, the owners sued um, to keep that stuff private because they didn't necessarily want all of the information that was, you know, in these filings out in the public. I think that they um, recently just dropped that suit um, because I think partially the the city agreed not to release some of the details. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, just an interesting point about uh, this as well. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, nothing that I saw in that article I would think they would not want to have known. Maybe they don't want people to know they're spending twelve million bucks, but like. Honestly, that just makes me like, well, I got to go see this thing. What, what is this $12 million going into? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next story. Um, Rob, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are coming to Colorado and some that are leaving. You know, have you ever thought why it is that they are doing that? 
and uh, who it is that is coming and going. Yeah, so this is a story from the Westward, not not a normal source for us. Uh, but they just they took a look at, at data from people who are moving into the state and out of the state. They just broke it down by a few things. One was by income of those folks. I, I think the, the moral of that story is a lot more um, well-to-do people are moving into the state and less wealthy folks are moving out of the state, which makes sense as the prices go up, it becomes less affordable. Um, they also, but I thought was another interesting thing, they looked at the ages of the people moving in. Um, the majority of the folks moving in are are over 55, a little higher than I thought. Um, the, in the 18 to 34 range, it's only about 15%, um, only about 17, 18% from the 35 to 45 range. And the lowest range is 45 to 54. I would have thought that that might have been a little faster or higher. You know, you know, the funny thing too, though, Rob, the people that were moving in, there were a higher percentage that were 55 and over, but there were also a higher percentage of 55 and over people that left the state than came into the state. Yeah. It, th- this is weird because I, I think the way this is displayed is a little bit misleading. Yeah. The, the, the inbound and the outbound each individually add up to 100%. So it's not to say that there's more people over, um, over 65 who are leaving than coming in. It's just a higher percentage of those who left are yeah. 65 or older. So the whole thing, to, I would just like to right. see numbers rather than the percents here because yes. it's a little confusing. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, and uh, they don't give that data, although I think they link to it um, if you really wanted to go so, jump so into it. So you're saying our journalist uh, journalistic integrity is not quite high enough to get the, the know, facts out of this? Uh, it, it's fine. But why are they moving, Alex? Why are they moving? Because uh, everyone loves Colorado, Rob. So the people moving in uh, move it. Th- 36% of them are coming for family reasons, 31% for jobs. So those are the two main reasons. But lifestyle, which is, you love Colorado, right? That's about yep. that's about a quarter, 26% of the people coming in are coming in for that reason. And Rob, why are people leaving? Um, the, the Leaving is mostly the same reason, mostly for fi- family and job. But lifestyle is not as high on that one. Um, retirement is higher. So people are retiring you know, from Colorado to, I assume, Arizona, Florida, Texas, wherever, right. someplace that's... A little warmer, a little cheaper, maybe. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So now we know a few facts about people who are coming and going. Maybe be nice to your transplants and also be nice to people who might be leaving. There you go. All right. Uh, Next, another follow-up story. Uh, This is one we had talked about a while back. Um, There's a Denver startup that's preparing to launch uh, their actual tabletop game console. This is a company called The Last Game Board. We had uh, talked about them I don't know, probably three, four we years ago. We talked about them when their Kickstarter was going. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, this was, yeah, several yeah. years ago. So this article here, I actually felt like gave more information. that I, I, was, I found this one really interesting. Um, so last game board, the, the idea, the brainchild of a, oh, what was she? She was like a political science major or something, yeah. right? Like not not technology at all. But she she said, hey, I want to, I, I have this idea. I think that, you know, I've, I've loved tabletop games my whole life. I'd love it if there could be an electronic board where you could play all your different games on. And it allows you to play with people remotely, people people locally. Um, and they basically built it. And what the cool part was her and her husband were the the kind of original idea havers here, but they went and recruited, um, oh, let me get the guy's name. Um, the, it was the co-founder of, of the Xbox. Um, shoot. Let's yeah. Where he, I, I saw that in here too. Where is he? Um, uh, Rob Wyatt. I know that's, that's good radio with the, the big gap, but Rob Wyatt, who is a, a, a co-creator of the Xbox gaming console, they got him who was, he was in Boulder to, to be one of their co-founders. And of course, you know, all of his connections, all of his access to venture capital. I'm sure that was a big part of what's propelled them through their Kickstarter, where they were wildly successful to, to raising um, a couple of rounds of funds where they've had, you know, I think it was like $7 million they've raised. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. They, uh, at this point, 
are or have sent out beta versions of the uh, the game board itself, and they are getting ready um, a little bit later in the winter to send out their actual production versions of of that to their Kickstarter uh, folks. So they say everyone. It sounds like everyone who did the Kickstarter should get theirs this fall. And there should be like production runs for other people to be to be purchased uh, by the winter. Uh, remember what the price for one of these was? It was like eight fifty or something. Uh, I, think I think it's like seven ninety nine, about eight hundred dollars, if yeah. I remember right. So that you know, if if you're looking for a board that's going to allow a lot of functionality, that's cool. Another interesting thing from the article, they've partnered with GameStop to to do like little like show and tell for these these yeah. game boards in different cities. They did one in Glendale here in Denver, uh, the Denver area that is. Um, and I got about 50 people come through and get to try it out. Hopefully that's going to drive some buzz and, you know, it'd be nice if you can go take a look at one. You know, they, the article does say as well that their corporate headquarters is on in Larimer Square. Yeah. Um, so maybe you just go swing by the corporate headquarters and say, hey, can I see one of those bad boys? What are they going to do? Say no? Yeah, okay, uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, they got nothing else to do. They have uh, 24 employees total, 11 of them here in Colorado. Another interesting fact, all of the boards are assembled in their headquarters in yeah. Denver. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they will get the uh, the parts and when they have enough parts to make a, a run, then they'll go uh, do a, you know, a big uh, group assembly. And it's, it said it takes about, takes about 20 minutes to put one of them together. Cool. Good stuff. I'm excited. I, I actually really want to see one. So I might, I might go swing by their office and see. See if they let me in or they you should do or, it or they rightly realize I'm a, I'm a ne'er-do-well and keep me out. <laughs> uh, that said, we have another article to talk about, which is a little bit of bad news for Denver. The, uh, oh, really? Is this bad news? This, yeah. is, this is hard to call it bad news. Uh, the Denver's 29-month streak of home prices um, increasing has, has ended um, back, in, uh, back in June. And I, all I got to think is this is really old news because I like, guarantee that it, you know, since June it's gone down a couple more months. Yeah, and yes, like you said, technically it is bad news that home prices are going down, assuming that you're a homeowner, right? Like, but if you're a home buyer, yeah. prices going down are are probably a good thing. Or an employer um, who wants or, to have people who right. <laughs> who can afford to live here. Yeah, so I mean, I think the the big piece here is that we had a 29 month streak of uh, month over month growth in uh, in median home prices, which is incredible, uh, a record. And I think it averaged like 1.9% every month over those 29 months. Yeah, there's just some crazy stats in here. Over the past five years, Colorado home prices have risen um, 71%, which is, you know, astronomical, right? Yeah. You, you bought a house for 500000 and now it's eight, whatever that would make it, you know, 830 something. Like, holy smokes, how do you, how do you afford, you know? A house, you know, because I guarantee you, uh, wages aren't going up by seventy one percent. They are not. I guarantee that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, so I think it's it's probably time that the housing market cools a little bit. You know, I'm I'm not looking forward to us having a crash. Hopefully, we don't have that. But I think uh, at the very least, leveling off or or dipping a little bit so that it makes it uh, easier for folks to get homes in the metro area would be good. Yeah. And if we're gonna have a crash, could you let me know in advance? <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely, Rob. I'll yeah. tell you. All right, let me know. All right, that's it for that story. We have a we have a, a award season is coming up here, and and uh, the Denver Business Journal has their C Suite Awards. That's easy for me to say, um, and we have a familiar face in there. Yeah, um, I think more familiar to you, Rob, than to me. So, um, th- this is one of the I, I think they had was it thirty ish people that got these awards. Well, the the, the um, part one or nominees. Only. Excuse me. 
part one only had like a dozen of them or something like that. Maybe it was yeah. not. Even, anyway, one of the winners was a coworker of mine at Ping. It's Raj Donnie, who's the CFO there. And of course, Raj has been with Ping through you know, the acquisition or as they went public rather. And then now as they've been acquired or they're being acquired by Tom Bravo, really great, great human, um, good leader. I'm excited to see Raj get recognized. Yeah. And um, cool to talk about too. I'd, in this batch and the other batches, I don't think I really recognized anyone else that uh, that got any of the awards. So glad that there is at least somebody we know on, on these lists. Yeah, from the security world. Yep. All right. Uh, next, this is an interesting story to me. This is an article from uh, the NCC down in Colorado Springs. Um, they are starting what they're calling the inaugural Colorado Cyber Games. Um, and this is essentially a capture the flag sort of event. And, but there's two parts to it, which I think is cool. That one part is for uh, folks that are, you know, potentially looking to get a job, showing your skills so that employers will uh, be able to see the skills that you have and potentially hire you. And also a second piece, which is, I guess you could call it a, um, you know, skills improvement ongoing uh, kind of uh, skills thing, but for basically for bragging rights. Like right. so, so if you're not looking for a job, but you still want to do this and and show off what skills that you have, uh, there's a division for that as well. Yeah, so they, they call these the cyber games, but there's the two divisions. One is called the candidate division. The other is the professional division. Um, I, I think it's a really neat idea. that Basically, they, they've created these, these purpose-built CTFs to show that you have the skills for the employers who are looking for those skills. Um, and the employers can help craft those things. And, and basically, they create the challenges um, and they, they'll release the 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 challenge on like a Friday morning and then the can they, the participants have until the following Monday evening to go through it. So they can kind of do it on their own time over the weekend, uh, whatever works best for them. Um, and the, the competition, so signups are happening right now. The competition runs from October 1st to the 31st. Um, anyway, it looks like a really cool idea. I, I imagine that if you're an employer, maybe it's too late, maybe not, I don't know. But, um, but if you're, if you're a, a candidate or you're just trying to get, you know, more into the CTF world, it seems like a good opportunity. Yeah, and it looks like uh, on the back end, this platform is powered by RangeForce, which is a, a training company, and a, I've talked to them in the past. They have a pretty cool platform, so glad to see that uh, that's going well. All right, you know, I kind of, I kind of uh, spilled the beans on this next story. I didn't mean to, mm. um, but in the last month since we recorded, Ping Identity has. Well, they've announced that they intend to be acquired by Tom Bravo. Yeah. So, you know, and I was at Ping for 2016, we got bought by, we were VC backed in 2016, we got bought by Vista Equity Partners, you know, a, a private equity firm. We went public in 2019. Um, you know, with the the value, the market has kind of been ups and downs and the Ping's price has been a little bit lower than I think where folks think it should have been. So Vista swooped in, or excuse me, um, Tom Bravo swooped in and, and acquired Ping for about $2.8 billion. I think the deal is, is set to close in like the December timeframe, assuming regulatory hurdles are all cleared and all that good stuff. Um, but it's exciting, you know, that there's a lot of speculation about what they could be thinking. Um, if, for those who are not aware, Tom Bravo owns a number of other security companies, including local Logrhythm. Um, they, they own uh, Proofpoint. They, which they took, you know, also took from from the public markets, and they own another a big identity company called Sailpoint, which you know there's a lot of synergies between Ping and Sailpoint. And there's speculation that there could be some kind of like joining of forces between those. Yeah, uh, Tom Bravo has really been on a spree of buying cybersecurity companies, so we'll have to see. I, I don't think that there has been any movement yet to uh, to consolidate any of those or 
you know, to try and make bigger platform companies out of the companies that they're acquiring. But I mean, in, for some of them, it would make sense. Yeah, so. I don't think so either. But it'd be interesting to know that. And there's more that we didn't just talk about that. that right. The Tom Bravo ones. I did, those, those, those are the ones I thought of off the top of my head. Uh, all right. Uh, jumping to our next story. Um, we talked about this last year, maybe even the year before when it was the inaugural. But um, uh, Optiv's annual $40,000 scholarship for black African-American uh, identifying STEM students is now open for applicants. Um, a very cool thing to see that, uh, that Optiv is doing this. Um, the, the scholarship was started internally by a, you know, a special interest, um, group that they have, uh, within Optiv. And I believe that they've awarded this scholarship twice already. Um, they, they note the folks that are, uh, previous recipients in the article. And, uh, if you are eligible for this and uh, want to apply, I think it would be awesome. Love yeah. to see more. Uh, African-American folks in STEM careers. And specifically, it's a $40,000 scholarship, which I think is $10,000 per year all through, all the way through school. They've got uh, one freshman who's at uh, James Madison University studying computer science. Uh, and they have a sophomore at Princeton studying uh, biology and computer science as well. Nice. All right. Next story we've got is, I feel like we haven't talked about ThreadX for quite a while, but ThreadX popped up here with a big some big news. They, they raised... Um, a, a fresh round of about $30 million in their Series B um, fundraising here. Uh, this brings up their total to about $52 million. Um, they, uh, you know, they say that they're going to use it to accelerate um, investments in their platform development while scaling sales and marketing. Basically, the same thing everyone always says when they raise money. Right. More product, more sales, more marketing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to hear this because I, I agree with you. It has been a little bit quiet on the ThreadX front. So uh, glad to know that they're still out there and raising money and doing well and, and moving their product forward. Yeah, I, I was interested to hear in this article, they talk about who they consider their their core markets and who their core competitors are. And they've actually broken it up into two sections with the one being where I would have historically said they fall, which is like the, the WAF space where you're, you're, you know, you're fighting with Impervas and F5 and, and those folks. The other one they're talking about was really the API security space with your salt security um, type competitors and, and like they're they're looking at really being um, well positioned for both as an integrated uh, play rather than a lot of companies who have if they try and cover both is through integrations or acquisitions that they didn't right. really well integrate so there's you know one platform that try and does both yeah or or a, a WAF company that says that they protect APIs but they're essentially protecting them like a WAF not like a, like right. it's an actual API not the depth so. of coverage you need there right yeah so cool stuff all right uh Next, we have a uh, blog post on product updates from Red Canary. Uh, some new uh, new integration partners, log sources that uh, Red Canary is monitoring, which is pretty cool. Glad to see that. Uh, Octa Workforce Identity, Cisco Umbrella, and a couple different uh, Palo Alto uh, type logs. So, yeah. you know, I think, you know, in my mind, I, I think of Red Canary as, oh, hey, we take EDR logs, we monitor those, and, um, you know, that, that's the bread and butter. But um, as obviously you know, and um, I do know as well that there are uh, other types of data that go into the Red Canary platform to make it even better. Yeah, it's been it's been a really big investment by, you know, I think for those listeners who don't know, I work at Red Canary. Big, big investment for the company has been let's let's make sure we're really covering MDR everywhere, everywhere in your IT environment, both cloud, on prem, you know, your, your uh, SaaS applications. And it, this is just continuing to see that investment move forward. All right, last news story this week is a uh, is a it's a blog by uh, by Arthur Loris who worked for me at, at Ping Identity, and it's such a good 
interesting. Like it's it's really not Ping's normal. Like how does identity work? Arthur is a, a leader on the product security team there at Ping, uh, and he wrote this article about how to use um, threat modeling to get create business relevant risk assessments for for application security. Yeah, um, it's a really really great article. Um, you know, I was familiar with Fair, and I'm familiar with Stride. And then, you know, in this article, Arthur talks about putting those things together uh, to do, you know, sort of a fair based um, threat modeling application so that you can get, uh, you know, real business dollar type impacts out of uh, out of doing threat modeling. Yeah, I, I love the fact that, that he's, he's doing this work and pushing it forward. I think he talked at B-Sides about this, and I think he's also talking at RMIC, isn't he? I believe he is. Yeah, so if you want, if you want to come learn about how to better... Um, communicate risk to your to your leadership team in a dollars and cents perspective. I think that'd be a smart session to attend. I think it would too. Or you could start by reading the article. Probably start there and then come and say, "But I don't get this, Arthur. Tell me right. more. Tell me more." All right, let's jump over to events. Uh, just a reminder: we have an event calendar on the website. You can go out there and see what's going on through the rest of the year. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few things coming up uh, this fall. Uh, with that, what do we got? Uh, first up on the 28th of September, I, oh, sorry, no, I'm scrolled down too far. That's not the first thing That's on the list. That's not the first one. Um, on the 14th through the 16th of September, uh, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing their peak cyber symposium. I kind of feel like we shorted this when we were talking about yeah. RMIC and the CSA summit. Yeah. Probably should have mentioned this too. This is a big, a big event that they, they get kind of a national draw coming to the Springs. So if you're, if you live in the Springs or you like, you know, you're just looking for an excuse to go down there. Um, this it's this week. Um, go ahead and swing down and, and check out this event. On the 16th, uh, the Let's Talk Software Security Group is is getting together to talk about building a successful security champions program. We already talked about it once, but we'll hit it again. On the 21st, the 23rd of September is the Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference. So sign up for that if you haven't already. And if you're looking for things to do on the Wednesday or Thursday night, there's a million of them. Go to the Slack channel and go to events yeah. that you should be able to find a fun, happy hour to attend. On the 28th, ISE Squared Pikes Peak is doing their September meeting. Uh, and then on the 1st of October, spilling over into October a little bit, ISACA Denver is doing a community day. Yeah, I think it's just giving back to them some yeah. volunteer work. Should be good. Let's jump over to jobs. We love to highlight on the show some some jobs that are interesting in the area, either either interesting because we think that the companies are great places to work or we think that the jobs themselves look interesting. Um, starting off with a senior cloud security analyst at CoBank. You know, we know Stanton, who's the CISO over there, and I think it'd be a great opportunity. Altera Mountain Company is looking for an IT security and compliance analyst. Actually, a couple of jobs over there. You'd go work with uh, our friend Erica over there. Yeah, I think that'd be a great place as well. Richie May is hiring an offensive security lead. Western Union is looking for an information security senior manager. I'm not sure which part of the company that's in, but Mateo and, and, and Rob uh, Throckmorton are both over there. Uh, Denver Water is looking to hire an information security analyst working with Tongue. Yeah. It's a great one. Uh, Zvello is looking for a senior cybersecurity analyst. I don't know if this is something that's internal or working on their products or, or what it is, but it yeah. uh, could be interesting there. And uh, Salesforce, it, it, you know, big company, right? They're, they have a, a presence here in town. They're looking to hire a security GRC senior analyst slash manager. Yeah, I, I think it depends. I think they have a double presence here through both Salesforce and Slack. Mm. Um, T-Mobile is looking for a senior engineer for cybersecurity. Evercommerce is hiring a senior security engineer. And 
finally, the United Launch Alliance is looking for a cyber analyst five. Oh, good, five. I had to throw that one in there. I, I, I love the, the number jobs. That's a good number. All right. Well, that is uh, that is it for this week. We don't have yeah. an interview because we're big slackers. And, yeah. and it, but we're, if you're out there like, man, they should have an interview, you could help us by help, by doing interviews. We got plenty of people to talk to, just not so much time to do it. Exactly. All right, well, everyone. Thanks for your, uh, thanks for your uh, attention this week, and we'll cut, talk to you next month. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.